Welcome to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. Priceless inspiration and advice for street photographers everywhere. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And this is the place for inspiration and advice by street photographers for street photographers. And I'd like to thank you once again for taking the time to put us in your ears today. I hope to make it worthwhile. The subject of our episode today is what I call the three P's, project, passion, and persistence. I guess this is really a hero's journey. And the hero of our story is Andy Hahn. He's a creative director with Sony Studios in the Los Angeles area. Andy decided one day that he wanted to create a photo project about the people who frequent Hollywood Boulevard. If you've never been there, it's probably one of the quirkiest places in America. People are dressed like movie superheroes or famous people like Marilyn Monroe and Michael Jackson, and they do it as a way to make money either to feed a drug habit or just survive. This is a place that most of us would find is an interesting place to shoot for a few hours and then go away. But Andy saw it differently. He kept coming back for over three years, and it's not a pretty place because most of the regulars on the boulevard are homeless due to mental illness, drug addiction, or both. Over time, Andy became passionate about the people themselves and began to use his own time and money to help the homeless. It wasn't always easy because Andy had to deal with some of his own bouts of self-doubt and the imposter syndrome. Now, although he's a skilled designer, Andy wasn't an experienced photographer at the beginning, but he used the project as a way to become familiar with exposure and working with a variety of lighting conditions. Despite being a new photographer, Andy persisted and finally, after three years, decided it was time to create a finished product, which is his book titled Welcome to Hollywood. He tried to get it published and came close a couple of times, but when that didn't pan out, he chose to publish it himself. The result is a collection of intimate, up-close, and personal images that tell his personal story of people most of us pass by, often in a hurry. He shows the human side of this weird and gritty and uniquely American place. I can tell you firsthand, Andy is a hell of a storyteller, both visually and verbally. So I encourage you to hear the stories directly from the photographer himself by listening to my conversation with Andy Hahn. And my guest today is Andy Hahn. Andy is, well, he's a creative director at Sony Studios out in Los Angeles. And uh, so maybe he's got some interesting things to tell us about that. But uh, I first ran into Andy several months ago. He submitted a photo to be published um, as part of our street photographers or street shooters of the month. And really cool photo. You're going to see it when you take a look at the ebook he created. A uh, photo of Minnie Mouse walking across a, a street, probably in Hollywood. And this that photo, Andy, has always burned into my memory when I saw your ebook with uh, with that photo, I, I said, ah, that's the guy that shot that shot. I've got to take a look at this thing. So anyway, I've been rambling on so long. Andy, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Good, good to be here. Andy was nice enough to join us today because he created a new photo ebook called Welcome to Hollywood, which I know you're really going to like. But before we get into the ebook, Andy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into street photography and 
What caused you to write this book? I'm, I'm mostly a, a designer by trade. Uh, I, I've read a lot of uh, biographies of photographers, and they usually start with, you know, my dad uh, gave me a camera at the age of 12, and I got hooked ever since. And th that's not my story. I, I uh, Since, like, the seventh grade, I've been pursuing design, commercial art, and worked in advertising um, for many, many years. And I just... Uh, Kind of like uh, I think Forrest Gump when he just decided to start running. Uh, like at the age of like 52, I just decided to start taking pictures. Um, I was really inspired by two guys, uh, Stephen Shore and William Eggleston, and I started. You know, I really was into their like lonely, isolated shots, and so I started kind of mimicking that. I took a road trip down the Mississippi just to kind of copy their style. But um, but then I, I realized that, uh, that, you know, buildings and empty spaces, it got, it got old real quick. And so then I just realized how much more interesting people are, um, that every person is different and it just never gets old, you know, no matter how, how, long, how many people you shoot. But living here in Los Angeles, um, I've, I've always been fascinated with Hollywood Boulevard um, my, my dad took us uh, down there for the first time, and then it was like 1969 to see, to the Chinese theater, to see the Love Bug movie. And I would just, even then, I was fascinated with it. It's just such a bizarre street. Um, I think it's probably the weirdest street in the country that I've ever been in with for a number of reasons. But I just decided maybe just to try and document it. Um, as best I could and try to capture all the weirdness. Um, it's, it's somewhat of an easy subject matter. I'm sure it's been covered many times and some might even argue it's trite subject matter, but I tried, I, I tried to maybe cover it with more depth than has ever been done before. So I spent three years uh, going down there multiple times every weekend, uh, just living down there and just trying to, absorb it. And I just really fell in love with the absurdity of it all. Just, just this one quarter mile strip of Hollywood. Yeah, it sure is absurd. But I, you know, I think you really captured the human element of it. I mean, a lot of times I think you, when you shoot things like that, you can take it, do it from a distance, not just a physical distance, but a mental distance. But it seems like just from looking at the photos, it's, you really care about what you're, you're looking out and you care about the people. Is that true? Yeah, it's very true. And I and I even went through, and I'm glad that comes across, and even went through a big pro, like personal uh, discovery in it because, you know, I started shooting and then, then I started asking myself, am I exploiting people, um, which I certainly don't want to do. And then so I started getting involved in, because um, there's a lot of homeless people down there. So I started getting involved in homeless, uh, um, helping the homeless. And so my wife and I started creating care packages um, to hand out and started handing out money, um, started maybe doing volunteering around town. And then, and then came full circle where I got more frustrated and feel like that was a waste of time. And I got like, kind of like angry at my subject matters and then 
and then came back to being more sympathetic. So it's it's been quite a journey for me. Yeah, what kept you going? What kept you going back, especially during the times when you, you got angry? Because after a while, I think, when you work on something for so long, you start to get tired of it or you become somewhat jaded. So what kept you going? Uh, I own probably just a weird obsession, a weird personality. But you know, I certainly had some low moments, some moments where... You know, there's self-doubt of like, this is stupid, you suck, you have no talent, you know, and also, you know, being frustrated with with some of the characters down there. So I took a couple breaks. Sometimes I would just shoot, focus more on shooting the tourists um, than, than more of the homeless, because there's plenty of subject matter down there. There's the tourists and there's the costume characters uh, and whatnot. I even took, uh, even other times, I took a break and went and shot homeless people at in other locations. Uh, I went down to like MacArthur Park downtown. I went down by the airport where there's this lot right next to the runway where oh, there's homeless encampments. And I shot around there and I quit that immediately because that truly felt like I was exploiting people. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I what I what I kind of came to learn with Hollywood Boulevard is most of the people are there uh, are trying to get attention for the most part, um, and I think most of the homeless are they're, are they're consciously kind of exploiting the tourists, you know, a little bit for sympathy, and so I, I kind of came to terms with that. Is they they seem fine, um, you know, being photographed, and they actually quite often they seem to really enjoy the attention. Um, often I would shoot with them and then have a conversation and get to know them and, and then try to, I would relay those stories a lot on Instagram. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I had some low moments. It does look like you got very close physically to a lot of people. I mean, you, have, you weren't shooting with a long lens by any means. I wondered if you got close to them personally as well because i mean you, you can't get up that close without actually interacting with people yeah we did i got you know to a large extent it's the same crew down there every day and uh i did have some people that you know i got to know we'd say hi and i would try to help them out um there were a few people i had to kind of learn to avoid <laughs> uh-huh. uh, <laughs> i wondered about that yeah there, there was like there was just one gentleman uh, this little scrappy guy, he, he was convinced that I was exploiting people and exploiting uh, particularly African-Americans. And he would seek me out and he would cuss me out and uh, oh, yeah. call me uh, racial slurs. And I try, I would try to reason with him. And uh, but so I, every time I saw him coming, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. How did how did the, the reasoning thing work? Uh, not too well. <laughs> so I, I realized it was just better to put you know put my camera down and walk keep walking yeah i wondered what it was like being around a number of very odd people since you kept going back over and over again did you get to know some of the people by name did they get to know you and because of that were they more relaxed as you went on because you did it over such a long period of time yeah, that certainly happens. And, you know, I get more relaxed and um, they remember me. 
Um, I remember them by name, and I, I, I would keep a log. Everyone I met, if uh, some people I wouldn't talk to for various reasons, but if I talked to someone, I would keep a log and write down their name, and I would ask them various questions like where they're from, how, how did they get to Hollywood, what are they doing. Um, I would try to maybe sometimes ask personal questions like, you know, how did you uh, get to this point? But um, often they didn't, they would avoid questions like that. And I also started feeling like that was a little bit evasive. So I was always trying to be sensitive and not, um, not take advantage of anybody. I'm curious about the costume people. I mean, when you're there, either you're there or you're on Times Square, you see people dressed like a Spider-Man or Batman or whatever. Do they take turns? I mean, do they have like a lottery system? Which Batman is going to show up that day or can there be like three of them? No, no, they don't take turns. On any day, you can see like three Michael Jacksons, uh, three or four Spider-Man. Um, and... Times Square is a little more controlled. It seems like the it's I, it's a little loose. It's pretty loose on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> just people just show up, and you can tell like they just had an idea one day. Like, hey, I want to wear a costume today and see if I can make some money. And they'll show up for a day or two, and then you'll never see them again. And then then there will be like the more career types. You see them uh, every day. But I've seen some bizarre people show up in costumes. Um, there was this one guy I got to know pretty well. His name was Gregory. He was in his fifties. He would, he and I think he was homeless. He would spray paint himself gold from head to toe, like real spray paint from Home Depot. So he would spray paint his face, his hair, his hands, his clothes, everything he could get a hold of, and then with whatever paint he had left over, he would spray paint like junk that was laying around. And then he would sit there in this gold chair and he would balance gold things on this stick and uh, and make money. And he would, sp I think he would spray paint himself about once every two weeks. And I just couldn't ever figure out how he wasn't dead. <laughs> that can't be good for the skin. No. <laughs> there was, I ran into this other guy once. He was dressed up as Pee Wee Herman. Uh, <laughs> he looked pretty, pretty good. It looked pretty accurate. He was um, quickly uh, singing and dancing to the song uh, Tequila, and he was scrubbing Pee Wee's star with a toothbrush and a bar of soap, <laughs> and and asking for donations. <laughs> and he was he was like moving so quick. He had the full suit on. He was like he was sweating so much, like sweat was coming through his his coat jacket. He was sweating so much, and I still I think I don't know, man. I think he was. It may have been some some cocaine action right there, but that this, that wasn't right. <laughs> I don't oh, I don't know, boy. and I only saw him once, and he uh, he never came back. There was this um, there was this other guy. He was a Spider Man, one of the Spider Man, and I noticed he would uh, he was like angry. He was like a meme, and he would he would catcall and uh, belittle people as they walked by. Uh, and so I, I would always be amused just to watch him, watch him do a thing. He was so ornery. So one time I, um, I had the idea of like, I, I need to record this because this is fun. So I, I gave him some money. I took out my, um, 
my phone. I says, I, I want you to heckle me. You know, I, I tried to bait him into calling me names and just to kind of get that vibe on camera. So we got started and he was just starting to get wound up. And then right behind us, this car accident happened and some pedestrian got hit, slammed in the wall oh. and he screamed right on camera and then ran. He just took off running, headed towards the accident. So that was all I got out of that. <laughs> you were saying earlier that you got to a point where you, you said, what am I doing? You know, why am I doing this? And I just wondered if you ever felt the, what they call the imposter syndrome. Who am I to do this? I've been hearing it a lot lately. I just wondered if you happen to run across that feeling, especially working on such a long-term project. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, multiple times. Um, partly because I, you know, I'm fairly new to photography. And so, you know, I felt like, you know, I'm, you know, doubt would come in like I'm kidding myself you you don't know what you're doing there's so many people out there that are better than you um you're a poser uh stop kidding yourself and then and then there was also just continued thoughts of you know am I exploiting people am I wasting my time am I am I actually being a jerk when I think I'm doing good etc but yeah it it's hard I think um Sometimes you just need to take a little bit of a break. And then other times you just kind of, I just would just force myself just to get back out there, even if it didn't feel right. And I think what ha what would happen is um, even when you're down, after you get a couple good pictures, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a kid with a, with candy, you know, you immediately start feeling better after a couple good mm -hmm. pictures. So I noticed in the book, you have some very interesting quotes um, from famous Hollywood people, especially from the old days, like Raymond Chandler. I mean, I, how did you come up with that? That's a, that was a, a neat touch, I think. Oh, good, good, thanks. Uh, just a lot, a lot of searching on the web. Um, my original idea was to tell these people's uh, stories that I learned, many of whom are just odd, you know, very odd and strange. But as luck would have it, my best shots uh, were the ones of the people I didn't get stories from. So I, I <laughs> really, yes. So uh, I was like, oh, crap. So I had to, I kind of abandoned that and then just thought of this idea of, um, I noticed that, you know, Hollywood Boulevard gets discussed or Hollywood in general. There are quite a few quotes about it because it's just so weird. So I thought, well, that might be kind of an interesting way to put it in context. And, and I kind of wanted a little bit of a flow to the book. So it wasn't just, you know, throwing all the, sh all the shots out at random. I tried to organize it with, you know, with topics you know, like covering the street people and then then covering the, the performers and then maybe covering the uh, tourists as well. So the the. Um, the quotes kind of helped become those little dividers of the sections. Well, I know everybody's going to ask, what kind of gear did you use to shoot these photos? I currently, uh, I currently just use a, a, a Canon uh, Rebel, mm -hmm. and I have three prime lenses. I have a 50, uh, a 35, and a 24 that I just kind of rotate generally. 
I've gone through so many um, hobbies in my life. I decided not to. I've learned the hard way. I'm not not to invest in the best <laughs> right away. So I decided to uh, wait for a while. But I'm uh, hopefully I'm going to be upgrading to a 5D soon. Ooh. But um, uh, but yeah, just uh, just the Rebel. I use just available light, and then um, I do do a little bit of work in Photoshop. Um, but I, you know, I try to keep the shots honest and, um, and then I shoot, I shoot, a, I shoot a lot morning and evening, uh, and I rarely shoot in the middle of the day. Um, yeah. So that, that, always that, a good that, idea. That lighting helps a lot too. And, it, and often I will even, um, avoid overcast days. It just, for this particular series, it just seemed like that harsh California light was appropriate. So I, uh. I kind of gravitated towards direct sunlight and you know, in the afternoon. Yeah, you really don't have much choice. <laughs> yeah. When I go out and carry a few different primes, say I've got the 24 on, and I'll think, gee, maybe I should have the 35. You know, and then I'm shooting with the 24, then I think, should I stop and put the 35 on? And then if I do that, and I think, ah... Why am I doing this? I should go back to the 24. Do you make conscious decisions? Which one are you going to use? Or do you leave the rest at home and just spend the day with, say, the 50? Or how do you deal with that? Or maybe it's not even an issue to you. I I have very same issues. Like when I'm going somewhere and I know I'm going to just be there once, I'll take all three lenses and I have the same conundrum. It's like, you know, I'm constantly second guessing the lens I have on. But when you're doing a series like this, one nice thing about it is I would just take one lens each day, knowing that I could go back tomorrow with a different lens. Um, so I would just take one at a time and kind of get that indecisiveness off the table. Uh, certainly, occasionally, I would you know feel like I missed a shot because of the lens I had on. But um, when you know when you know you just keep going back again and again and again, it, it doesn't be, you know you just kind of let it roll off. I have a Fuji, the X100, and I feel so much better carrying that because I don't have a choice. When you don't have a choice, then you use what you've got. Yeah. And make the best of it. I tend to like that, and it keeps you focused on your subject matter and not so much second-guessing. So where do you want to go with this? I mean, you published this book. It was a lot of work. What do you want to get out of it, or what, do you, you know, what are you expecting from it? Uh, not much really. It, it was really just a passion project. Um, I, I reached out a little bit to publishers. I, uh, I had, a, I got a hold of through a connection, the editor of, um, Tashin and, uh, we had a phone conversation. and he just went on and on telling me how, um, how beat down the publishing industry is and how many book proposals he'd seen for Hollywood Boulevard. So I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then, um, I got a, I reached out to Steidel, Steedle, I don't know how you say that. Mm -hmm. And, um, they said that Mr. Steedle really liked your book, but our roster is, uh, filled up for the next two years. So like, okay. And I had a, you know, a whole handful of, um, of, you know, radio silence. So I just, I'm rather impatient, so I just rather I gave up and I just said, "Oh, well, I'll just publish it myself." And if 
if 10 people like it, that's, you know, that's good enough. And I've moved on to other projects. So. Do you have any plans to sell hard copies yourself? Not particularly, not, not yet. I'm, I'm just kind of letting it go, you know, mm -hmm. and moving on to other, uh, other photo projects. That reminds me of a book I read once where one of the main characters was a sumo wrestler who was also an artist. He was Japanese, and he was a painter. He'd make these paintings, eventually finish them, and then move on and do another one. And somebody asked them, how do you know when your painting is finished? And he says, you don't. You just abandon it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's exactly what happened in... Um... Because you don't know when to quit, and, and I found myself keep getting more and more obsessed. There were there were some times when I was going down there like three and four, five times a week, which you know was a little excessive. But after like three years, there there was one one thing that triggered it is I almost got hit by a car um, oh. and slammed against the wall. Um, oh, there was a, I was walking across the intersection, and these two cars collided. And one careened right at me or towards me. And I thought I had plenty of time to get out of the way. But I, as I was kind of moving aside, I slipped on the sidewalk. And once it hit the sidewalk, its its trajectory changed, starting to come right at me. Oh, man. And it it hit the wall I was standing next to. And literally, uh, my back was resting on the fender of this car. So... Just like one foot, <laughs> I may have lost my legs. <laughs> but I, wow. that and a couple other uh, situations, I thought, you know, maybe it's time to, <laughs> maybe it's time to put this to bed. Yeah, go to the park. Yeah. <laughs> course, the park's not so safe either. Yeah. What have you learned from all this? I Well, I, I went through this whole learning process about um, dealing with the homeless and, and helping the poor. Uh, I've certainly learned a lot about shooting. I thought, I think, uh, I think, you know, when I got started, I kind of think I sucked, but, uh, I think, I think it got better over time learning how to use light and, um, how to, you know, deal with people on the street. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. You just, you, you learn a lot of things. Yeah, you sure do. Sometimes you don't even realize it for a long time. Yeah, it's true. You went down there a lot. Yeah, and a whole lot. The, in my experience, L.A. is not an easy place to get around, at least at certain times of day. Do you live close? Yeah, I, I currently live two miles. So that was another reason. You know, if I had lived farther, I doubt that I would have been quite, a, quite as tenacious about this. But it's, it's pretty easy um, jaunt to get over there. So what's your favorite photo? In the whole book, it it's possibly that one you like uh, with uh -huh. with Minnie. Um, that was an odd little photo. I, she, I I would sometimes catch these characters as they were on their way to work in the morning. I would go out early in the morning, and they're like commuting to work. So uh, there's she just started walking across this intersection, and this the homeless gentleman behind her stopped in the middle of the intersection so so that he could allow me to i think he was trying to be nice so i could take her shot and what ended up was just this odd photo it looks 
she looks sad and she looks like she's walking away from him who looks like this kind of mean, unpleasant guy. And then behind him that there's that dinosaur on the building with uh, the Ripley's believe it or not. And he had been, they had dressed him up as the devil on that particular day. So (laughs) the, the particular photo looks like it has like you could get like different types of meanings out of it if you wanted to. But I thought that was funny, funny little moment. Yeah, I remember seeing that when you submitted it. You know, we get hundreds of photos submitted. And that, that one stopped me in my tracks. I go, wow, this is really cool. Yeah, Minnie Mouse going to work. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple others I like. I really like one that's out of focus, completely out of focus. And you can see the Easter Bunny walking through the crowd. Yeah, that 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 bunny, he was. Um, I took a few shots of him every now and then, and he was promoting the the Museum of Illusion, uh, hmm. and uh, it just seemed so random and out of place. Just to have this weird looking rabbit walk walking around, he was uh, he was too good not to shoot. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like the fact that it was out of focus. You probably thought, ah, oh, missed shot. Misfocus, or maybe you did that on purpose. No, it was an accident. Yeah, just about everything I do is a happy accident. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not good hey. enough. I'm not that good. Hey, <laughs> I'll take it any day, any day. Yeah, I also like. There's two of them together. There's one with the the lady looks like she's waiting for a bus or something, and next to her is an evil clown. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> That was another one of those characters that just, it's just random. He just showed up one day. I never saw him again. <laughs> and uh, he gave me his card. And of course it said, actor, writer, producer, uh, <laughs> clown. <laughs> Not just a clown, an evil clown. Yeah, exactly. I thought, well, I, I'd love to see him at a kid's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. He's not going to be at any but kid's birthday parties. <laughs> And the other one I really like is right below that. I call him the Yamaha man. The guy's got a really interesting beard and uh, this old motorcycle glasses or whatever, you know, goggles over top of his glasses. Yeah, I remember him. He, he was from Houston, Texas. He said he used to be a mechanic. Um, and then added like, I, you know, I can go back and do that if I want to. Um, I got so <laughs> might be a good idea. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Most of the people I encountered on the street were either um, uh, either uh, drug drug addicts or uh, mentally ill, uh, and there was generally just those those two types um, on down there. And they they were they're pretty scruffy crowd, but most of the time I would have the most sympathy for the mentally ill. Some of them, particularly females, older women, uh, I would try to help them as best I can, but the, that's hard. It's, it's a very tricky, uh, it's a very tricky dilemma, you know, ha- trying to help the homeless. Yeah. It's, it's like trying to bail out the ocean, I guess, in some yeah. ways. Yeah. Right. So what are you working on now? Um, I'm one small thing I'm doing is kind of going around and I'm shooting, um, county and state fairs in California I'm, trying, oh. I'm kind of trying to find, uh, you know, California's got a reputation of, 
you know, being so weird um, and having such kind of flashy people, uh, I'm going around and trying to kind of shoot, you know, what I call regular folk of California that are tend to get invis- be invisible or ignored in this state. But uh, another big project I'm working on uh, with another photographer friend of mine, I had met on the boulevard, I had met some, this biker gang, they, they these guys that, these grown men that they customize motorized bicycles that are all very cool looking. And um, they're down in South Central. So I went down and shot them one time hmm. and had a good time. And, and I'm going to, I may work with this uh, friend of mine. His name's Noah Schutz. He's a much, much better photographer than I am. And we're going to maybe go down and see if we can't shoot portraits of these guys and shoot their bikes, uh, kind of like as works of art. See if that can't um, become become something. You know, it's just amazing the projects you can come up with if you keep an open mind. Totally, yeah. And I don't think you have to be in Los Angeles to find them. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm actually eager to get out of California at some point because everything here is kind of cliche and been shot to death, you know, to some degree. But I'd, I'd really love to get out in and shoot normal people in small towns. I get envious when I see that kind of work on Instagram. Yeah, California. I mean, everybody does think it's glitzy and glamorous, but really it's, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's a big farm state. When I was a kid, a friend of my mother's was a school teacher in L.A., and I, I had never been, when I was a kid, I had never been anywhere. And I asked her, so what's it like, you know? And she goes, you know, this is the biggest hick town in the country. Yeah, it's true. There's a a lot, a lot of farm country. And once you get out of L.A. County proper, and maybe you get out of San Francisco, in some ways, you know, it's it's... California is, has some similarities like Houston or Dallas or, you know, just some just kind of normal places. Not everyone's weird, <laughs> but there's a lot of agriculture in California. So it sounds like you have a lot of interesting stories from this. You've done it for three years. You know, what else happened to you that we'd be interested in? Yeah, a, a, a lot of variety of different uh, things have gone on. Well, that was bad. We'll start that over. Yeah, I've met a lot of interesting people, and you can never tell what you're going to get, you know, when you approach someone. You know, I, some of the shooting I do, I kind of do in secret, and then other times I'll approach people and ask for their photo to get more of like a street portrait. And that, you know, always goes different ways. So, like one time I saw this elderly woman uh, walking down the street. She was all decked out, and she had like a leopard skin fur coat on a hot day. And she had all these layers of clothing and this cool hat. And I said, oh, I love your look. Can I take your photo? And she brightened up. She seemed to love the attention. So I started shooting, clicking away. And so she started to pull pull her um, her, her coat open and started to reach out and, uh, you know, to she just pull out her breasts. Uh, oh, and I was like, no, no, ma'am, ma'am, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's not what I'm looking for. And then she, then she's like, "Well, do you want my phone number?" Like, no, I'm okay, (laughs) I'm all right. So then she went on to tell me this fanciful story that her 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 father was the mayor of Beverly Hills and all these riches she had. And um, 
So I didn't, I didn't, so that, that I would, that would happen, you know, actually fairly common. Um, I, uh, another time I, I stumbled accidentally into a protest of strippers and hookers uh, on the boulevard. I'm, I'm not quite sure what, what they were protesting or what point they were trying to make, but, uh, saw some things there. I, I probably would rather not have seen. And in the middle of them, they had a, they had a, a guy dressed up as, um, Trump, Donald Trump, and they were whipping him and beating him, <laughs> and so, <laughs> that was a, a bizarre, uh, a bizarre story. But one of my favorite times of the year was the um, the Christmas parade on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, it would, had to be the most beat down, worst Christmas parade you'll ever see in your life. I think the, clearly the city just gave up and decided not to care anymore. <laughs> And so it was just, um, they would have celebrities show up, but they were all like obscure soap opera stars <laughs> in these just cars driving on the street or, or they would be an actor who you would like sworn was already dead, you know, like he's still alive. <laughs> and they would have some band, um, you know, from local schools and they maybe would have like one balloon, uh, one big balloon, you know, and then intermittent within the, the 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 parade would be protesters, like kind of like uh, a crashing the parade. So you'd have these like families sitting in, in the in the front, and and, and I, I would shoot these shots of like little families all dressed up, and then in the background of the just angry mobs carrying these posters with with you know uh, pretty vulgar language on them, and the, there would be like huge blocks long blocks of of the of the route where there, there would be no no one watching it was just the street would be empty and the parade would just go on and on so um i would be sure to cover that every year but that was that was pretty funny one guy uh, i don't know if i may be this may be too old for some of the listeners but in the original uh, uh howard stern show there was a character named uh, melrose larry um, who was a recurring character, and he he works down on the boulevard now, um, as a he, he he helps get people onto those buses to uh, those tourist buses. We became good friends, old, old Larry and I. And, um, he would see me every every we would talk every time I would go down there, and we got to be such good friends. He he ended up kind of starting asking me for money a lot because he think he was down on his luck. I would give him money sometimes, but you know I'm not rich, so. I ended up having to kind of avoid him sometimes because we got so comfortable. He was asking me for a lot of favors, but um, Melrose Larry down there. Well, because Howard's not taking care of him. Apparently not. <laughs> oh, I do want to ask you this. I mean, you said early on that you started out in design. And so how has your background in design affected your ability to create uh, photographic compositions i think uh it's helped in um in primarily comp composition you know framing shots i think um my my design training and um history has helped that a lot and also using available light you know i, I can recognize you know through my training i can recognize the light and what it's doing and what it's doing on someone's face um but as far as you know how the camera works and f-stops and 
exposures. I, I do a lot of work with on auto. Um, I've, I've learned through trial and error uh, how to use the lenses um, pretty well. But um, yeah, I, I rely a lot on, on my art training. And then it also helps in post production. Uh, you know, I, I know Photoshop quite well. And being able to, you know, uh, kind of save myself a little bit through uh, manipulating it in Photoshop. Yeah, but it still has to start out right. Yeah, I guess so. This is a question I ask a lot of people mainly out of personal curiosity, especially somebody like you who's done a big project like this. How do you manage all those images? Do you have a process for doing that? And if you do, can you take us through it? Because it's so easy to, to lose things. Yeah, it is. It is a hassle. Um, I ended up going out and I bought two drives, two big drives, and then I have my laptop. And so when I come home, um, I would run everything through my laptop, um, delete in anything that clearly sucked, and then at the end, uh, at like every two weeks, I would back up everything onto these two laptops, you know, as a redundancy in case mm-hmm. one of them went down. And so I would, you know, so I would keep the raw, and then, um, and I wouldn't save high res. Like I, when I color correct, I would generally just res down in um, for Facebook or uh, Instagram and just save those knowing that if I ever wanted to make a book or something that I would have the raw, I could go back. And that way you're not saving like, you know, each file Mm -hmm. in triplicate. Um, Yeah. But I don't know if my process is any good. It's pretty sloppy, but uh, so far I haven't, I don't think I've lost too much. (laughs) Are you using Lightroom? No, I'm not. Uh, I know a lot of people do, but um, I just, I just use Photoshop. So you're just pulling them onto the hard drive and then you're actually looking at the photos through Finder or yeah. whatever. Wow. Hey, it works for you. That's great. <laughs> I, you know, I do it different every time. So I, I, I'm in search I'm of, a, of a process I can follow every time without yeah. thinking about it. I'm a little on the old side, so I'm not that technically savvy, <laughs> really. My, my boys make fun of me, so... Trust me, I'm older than you. <laughs> I'm still a geek. What can I say? Well, Andy, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. But before we go, I wonder if you can tell everyone where they can find you, and better yet, where they can find your book. Yeah, thank you. Um, I've really fallen in love with Instagram. I use that. That's, I think, my favorite uh, program of choice. I'm at uh, Andy Hahn zero one. A-N-D-Y-H-A-N-N-0-1. And there you can uh, find all all the shots and the stories um, from this three-year series. And you can also get a link. You'll see a link there to my website where you can easily download the book. Um, and I have that all those shots up up on my website as well. So if you, if you like the series and you want to dig a little deeper... Um, they're all there. And one more time, what's the name of your book? Oh, uh, Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood. That's right. I knew that. I just wanted you to say it. <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah, definitely check it out. 
I think you'll really enjoy it. Andy's done a wonderful job on this, and he deserves to have it printed. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Street Photography Magazine. It is the number one source for inspiration, education, and publication for street photographers everywhere. It's made by street photographers for street photographers. Street Photography Magazine is published once a month, plus a few bonus issues throughout the year. Each issue includes an interview with our featured photographer to discuss how they work and take a deep dive into some of their photos. It also includes photo projects and photo stories from photographers around the world to inspire you. And it's a place for you to publish your work to be recognized. For example, the Street Shooters of the Month section of the magazine. It features photos from members of our community, and many of our featured photographers have been selected from that group. So stop trying to go it alone and join the community. All of this for less than the price of a cup of coffee per month. Stop over and subscribe now at streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe.